Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTE GA podcast. Hope you're all well. Mikey Stafford here. We're looking ahead to a weekend with an awful lot of football matches and just a few hurling matches. But we're going to start with the hurling. But our best foot forward is not right, lads. Um, joined by Derek McGrath, Colm Keyes, the Irish Independent, as always, Rory O'Neill. How is everybody doing? Hi, Mike. How are you? How are you? Good. Um, if we were saying last week for, uh, there's a couple of do or die matches this weekend, shall we say, uh, I think um, certainly down in Munster, but we might start start with the game in Leinster, Derek, because A, never get to bloody start with Leinster. And secondly, you know, there's the master and the apprentice, et cetera, et cetera here, which has everybody very interested. Let's be honest. I think from as soon as Henry Shefflin was appointed, I think everybody was looking to see when are Galway playing Kilkenny. Uh, in the championship, so we're down to Pierce Stadium now on um, Sunday afternoon. Um, and beyond the sideline intrigue, Derek, it is an interesting match because let's be honest, Kilkenny have won by an aggregate of thirty nine points thus far. So have we haven't really seen them put to the pin of their collar, and Galway were put to the pin of their collar once, but it turns out it was by a Wexford team who may be a bit of an, a a non entity in the championship this year. It pains me to say. Um, so this is this is very interesting, and Galway have some injury concerns. So um, this looks like you know a hard road for the old dog Brian Cody to me. Yeah, look, you're kind of marrying, I suppose, the the, the easy path that Kilkenny have had so far, um, picking up the four points, getting some game time into TJ, the first game, getting the full game into TJ, the last game, in terms of their pre- preparation ahead of ahead of. Um, you know, the big match, I suppose, in Salt Hill or in Pierce Stadium the weekend. And against that, they're kind of saying that the kind of, I suppose, the the confidence from that Galway would have built up from the from the big pummeling of, of Westmead, I suppose. But look, it's hard to call, you know, it's it's hard to call. For me, the six ten of forwards that Kilkenny have are they're not as good as any as as Limericks or Waterfords, but they're they're up there in terms of the you know, they have a really good forward. I think they have a really strong forward line, you know, and Look, the intrigue about the sideline, I, I think that's probably perfect from from a, from a management point of view if you're putting yourself in a management position that all the pressure seems to be kind of, all the focus from a media point of view seems to be on the two boys and you can prepare very diligently behind the scenes. So it makes for a great game. It reminds me a small bit of, of you know, Galway made lay down a marker in the league against Limerick. And I think, you know, it, it's just, it has to be a similar approach, I think, this this Sunday. And it also reminds me of, I think, Michal O'Donoghue, who's post-17, when God, when Kilkenny came to Galway the following year, it was kind of a, there was an element of, you know, let, let's see what we're about here, and, and Galway won that comprehensively. So, it's, for me, motivation, I think Galway have, have the advantage, but I'm, I'm not sure in terms of the, the, the quality that Kilkenny have, have they the advantage that I think perhaps they have. Yeah, he he's he's building another little team here, isn't he, uh, Colm? You know, there's always, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of... Uh, from some quarters satisfaction and from others kind of I suppose disappointment that the great the great bet noir down in the southeast maybe aren't as strong as they were for like a decade decade and a half but you know they're back-to-back Leinster title holders um and if it wasn't for the green monster over west you know we could be talking about an all-ireland or two who knows um 
and he has regenerated yet again. Like, and I've lost count of how many teams Brian Cody has built at this stage. Um, the one thing he would say is that this one is still built around the successor to the man on the other sideline. You know, he's still blessed in that he's gone from generational talent, DJ Carey, to generational talent, Henry Shefflin, to generational talent, TJ Reid. It's not his fault, Renta, but it, it, it's hard to get away from the fact that it must be a little bit easier to build a team when you have, you know, a, players like that around which you can build a focal point. But I suppose that the, the great irony about this game is that Henry Sheffman is coming in trying to take take down a Kilkenny team. This is essentially, especially the further up the field you go, is backboned by many of his own former colleagues, obviously in Ballyhale Shamrocks and players that he won back-to-back All-Irelands with. And re- really, they are the pivotal players, as you mentioned, TJ, but also Owen Reid or Owen... Um, Cody. Cody, Cody uh, yeah. His own, his own nephew and uh, uh, Adrian Mullen, who has been switched to midfield. And, you know, if you're looking at the for opening two games, and I don't know how much you can really judge by that, but he looks uh, he looks a rejuvenated figure. He had a great campaign, really, with, uh, with Ballyhale. Uh, during the winter, uh, but certainly his release to midfield, his ball striking and just his all-around hurling ability may just profit from that move. And, uh, you know, there may be that, there aren't huge options for Brian Cody and Kilkenny. As you say, he has, he is regenerating a team, but he's regenerating regenerating it maybe with uh, with positional switches as much as anything, because Porrick Walsh is back up to centre forward. And that's been a very, very effective switch if you're using the league and obviously the first two games as a gauge he's a wonderful striker of the ball he, he he's he, he's a player that can he can strike on the run without really ever having to slow down and uh that's probably an element of his game as a defender that you don't see as much but since he's moved up i think it's not 25 he scored between league and championship in, in about in about seven games and you know just his ability to get in and get 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 stuck in everywhere and just all around wonderful hurler and that's probably Underlined by the fact that he's played across so many lines, he was full back for a couple of seasons. He's been obviously centre back for a while. He had a couple of games at midfield as well. He's been at centre forward before, I think, in the Wexford game in 2017. So he's been around. And the other switch is Paddy Deegan into into centre back as well. So really, does that adaptability of those players? Two of the players that came through during the league, Keen Kenny and David Blanchfield, uh, the one thing they they didn't uh, feature from the start the last day. So. Um, but he has Mikey Butler, who's a very effective cornerback, always bringing through two or three players every year. Kilkenny's underage record, no, it's not comparable really these days to the likes of Limerick and Cork and even Tipperary, uh, who have pressed on in that regard with under under 20 and under 21 titles in recent years, but still Kilkenny managing to bring through those few players to keep them really competitive. And as you say, two Leinster titles, the impression and the perception is certainly that uh, Brian Cody era is petering out in some way. And yet he's won those two Leinster titles. They've won a league a few years back when it was a little bit more competitive, maybe than what it is now in 2018. So yes, he's, he, he, he's done pretty well out of the resources he has, even though that may not be the impression within the County, but if you're looking at it from afar, it's not a bad haul from, you know, an era that is supposedly in decline. Yeah, Rory. Um, I mentioned here just kind of up close how impressed I was with with Galway's physicality against Wexford. You know, they're a big team. They know they're a big team. They know that's kind of an advantage they have on a lot. You look at the spine of this Kilkenny team, like Owen Murphy to Hugh Lawler to Paddy Deegan. <laughs> These aren't lads who are going to be bullied. So this could be the this could be spicy. I think if it plays out the way we think it will. 
Yeah, it will be. It, it, look, it'll be a physical game. It always is between these two. Um, well, 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 just looking in terms of doing a little bit of prep ahead of Sunday, what kind of struck me was, which kind of took a small bit of a step back on, was I know Kilkenny are current Leinster champions, but their record against Galway of late is not good. I mean, they've met five times in the championship over the last two or uh, three or four years. And that's the only win that Kilkenny have, which is last year's Leinster final. So I think from that point of view, um, sorry, not last year's Leinster final. It was um, it, was, it was last year. Kilkenny beat Dublin in last year's Leinster final. Is that right? Leinster final. Yeah. Leinster final. Yeah. So so they so like they do have a very good recent record. I think Colm touched on it there. The fact that Henry effectively in his own household or certainly his nephew and his the intimate knowledge that he might have of TJ having you know hurled with him for so long and then obviously being his manager for a couple of years and the fact that the Ballyhale guys backbone a lot of what is good about Kilkenny I think that insider knowledge is going to be valuable I mean you're, you're like who's 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 better positioned to know what to do in terms of curbing the influence of these guys than Henry Shefflin. And I think it's um it's it 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 adds to the level of intrigue. And I know Derek made mention of the fact that uh, the, a lot of the focus is on the two managers, but I think that's justified in this situation because look, you're talking about two of the greatest characters, two of the great like certainly one of the greatest players. And Brian Cody was obviously a fantastic player in his own right as well. All Ireland winning captains on either side of the dugout. I mean, I I I just I just think all of that is feeding into it. I just hope it's a good crowd. I hope there's a big crowd there. No, not too big, so we can get out of uh, Salt Hill and reach the lower this this week as opposed to as opposed to what happened in Castlebar last week. But uh, I just hope it's a big crowd. I hope the weather holds off. Forecast isn't great. And um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a superb contest. I think the, the, the chances are they might meet again in the Leinster final. They look like the two farm teams in Leinster. And um, I think I think they'll both go for it. And we should see a, a really, really good contest. Yeah, Derek, it's, you know, you've obviously been involved in huge matches where, you know, kind of the build up is kind of, you know, it, it might be in danger of kind of sweeping your players up and, you know, there's the question of how much do you want them to be swept away and stuff? How much do you kind of want to keep them level? Like, obviously, adrenaline's important and you want them to feel like it's special, etc. This is kind of different in that, like, there's no getting away from it. The players are almost like the afterthought in the build-up to this match. Like, it, it is all about the managers. It's kind of a funny one, isn't it? Because, uh, you know, it's the biggest game of the weekend because of two guys who aren't playing in a way. Yeah, but it's probably an ideal scenario for, for, for the And again, if you just, if you look at, you know, they talked about a subtle rebuild in each in each camp, I suppose. But still, if you go back to the spine of the Galway team, you're probably going to have Dahi Burke, the road McInerney, Porrig Mannion, Mannion right halfback, Conor Cooney centre forward, Brian Concanon, and, and those Joseph Cooney in the forward line. So you're going to have, similarly, you have Hugh Lawler, Paddy Deegan, Porrig Walsh, Walter Walsh. You have, a, you have a huge wealth of experience that has ample knowledge in how to deal with you know, the build-up to a game. So I think, yeah, it's probably an ideal scenario for for, for players. Um, you know, for me, the interesting thing, I suppose, outside of that, and, and, and you know, Rory is right. Even when Rory was talking there, I was kind of thinking, right, what will he do then, you know? So, so you know, does does Dahi Burke tag TJ wherever he goes? Like, if TJ goes to full forward 
And I would traditionally find a left a left over right like Dahi Burke is copes well with a left over right TJ Reid. So does does Cody then you know put him somewhere else? Does he put him in the corner on Jack Grealish? You know, does he you know traditionally he would kind of you know put TJ in a, in a, at a point where he kind of thinks he might do the most damage. Now does Dahi go to the corner back and therefore you have nobody in front of the goal? So all the what if scenarios I suppose. You know, even Owen Cody has played at 11 at times. He's played at 12. He's played at 15 at times. You know, you know, a, a guy who's really impressed me so far this year has been Darren Morrissey. I think he's been outstanding for, for Galway. Um, lucky enough to see him playing against our own club last year in the challenge match. Outstanding hurler, like really, really good player. Um, and, and Galway's setup has been interesting also in terms of, you know, with the breeze as a factor in Salt Hill. You know, in, when they came to Wexford Park, they set up kind of with a plus one with Joseph Cooney, with Carl Mannion in the middle of the field. And, you know, they were tactically very well set up, as as most teams are defensively now anyway. But um, for me, they're the interesting kind of things that will that will ensue, I suppose, on, on, on Sunday. And like Rory, the crowd is an important factor. You know, the, a huge Galway crowd, I suppose, you know, on the back of on the back of kind of, you know, the expectancy for this particular game and, and the build up to this game, you'd expect a big crowd. Yeah, um, we'll have to move on to the big game of Munster now in a second, lad. So I'll just get a quick prediction from you, Colm. I was very impressed with Galway's reaction to the draw. Now you might not say, well, you know, they went out and they they beat they beat Westmead as they did, but they they're conscious, obviously, of how they lost in 2019, and uh, they drove on aware that score difference uh, could could make all the difference at the end of this. Having having said all that, I just give Kilkenny a little edge here through that Ballyhale trio: uh, Mullen, Owen Cody, and TJ Reid. I just think that they might just have. A little edge here, uh, that and I, I, I would think Galway's progression will continue as the season as they as they find their team that bit more. Connor Whelan is obviously a big question mark over him as to how fit he's going to be for this game. So that's uh, that's that's certainly a factor too. But for me, it's just Kilkenny uh, marginally. Rory, yeah, I think I go along with that. I I, I think um, I think it would be a big statement as well to go over to Salt Hill and win. And I think I think they're. <laughs> I think Kilkenny are fed up of listening to all this monster hurling stuff, and I think they'll have they'll have a bit of a bee in their bonnet, and that might they might take that out on Galway on Sunday. I think just with the injuries that Galway have, Kilkenny look slightly more settled. I think they've been building nicely. The games have fallen well for them, and I think they are probably the the in pole position now in Leinster, and I think we'll probably see that on Sunday, Kilkenny to win. Derek, yeah, I like what I Okay, well, that's a full house then because as a lot of you know, my stance here I'm a whipped cur of a Wexford man. I never bet against Kilkenny. (laughs) I am scarred through a long, long life. And uh, also, the Connor Whelan, Dahi Burke, Park Mannion question marks are are very, very big question marks when you look at this Galway team. Okay, briefly enough, lad and lads, we'll we'll skip Leash v Wexford and uh, Westmeath v Dublin. Because heaven help me, I hope one of them isn't competitive anyway. And uh, we'll, we'll breeze over to Cork v. Clare um, in Semple Stadium. Obviously, we won't we won't plough over that field again. We might touch a little bit on Cork venues in the football after uh, Darrow Shea's column yesterday, the Irish Times. But we'll skip the we'll skip the venue and just come down to it. Derek, this is this is a do or die for Cork at least, and for Clare. Um, It'd be an important win. It'd be a win that almost let them go and enjoy to an extent, you could say, maybe the rest of the Munster Championship or at least play with a bit of freedom. Whereas if they lose this one, you know, things are going to tighten up for them as well. Um, so this is this is do or die stuff, isn't it? 
Yeah, I'm just going to go over the permutations. If, as expected, Limerick be tipped next week, we'll say, right? So that, that six points probably guaranteed once their final spot. And then do Limerick go Dennis in the last match as they did two years ago, you know, with a with a, a week in the North squad and, and Clare can still qualify. That's it. So look, look, a lot's been written and a lot's been said about Cork in, 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 the, in the, you know, in the interim, I suppose, in terms of the two weeks. So I think if there's stuff in Cork, and I do believe, I'm not one of the guys that thinks there's, there's not stuff in these car guys, Fitzgibbon knows. I believe there is stuff in these guys, and I think it's going to manifest itself on Sunday. I think it has to, and, and I think it will. Um, strategically, I've been all over the place. You know, I'm writing a bit for the examiner tomorrow saying, I'm not sure, have you the time to, to stick or twist? You know, as regards, I think there'll be subtle tweaks. I think you're putting yourself in a management position. You have two weeks. You know, you look at radical changes that have taken place in Gaelic games over the years. Donahue to full forward. You know, all the things that kind of happen mid-season that give you that act as a catalyst for a kick on, if you like, you know, you're thinking Mark Keane, you're thinking Harnady to full forward, you're thinking, you know, all the speculation around three and six. And I, I don't, I don't go with that as much as other people because I, I, I invariably think you only need two in your full back line these days because one guy, there's, there's, I don't, I don't know of many teams that are playing an absolute three up front mm. inside the 21, if you like. And similarly with, with the whole Mark Coleman debate, you know, before before the game, we were saying Sir Miller could pick Keane Lynch and Mark is good at sweeping up, similar to Ty Burke, similar to Declan Hannon, etc. So do you go with a kind of a more enforcer in that role and leave Mark Hurl from the wing or a midfield? You know, and I think that there might be subtle tweaks, but I don't think Kieran can make, you know, seven, eight changes, if you like. You know, I think the time span for me as an ex-manager is not there to do that. So that'll be the interesting thing for me. You know, all the, the speculation mm. as regards Tim O'Mahony, etc. That's the really interesting thing for me. But motivationally, I think if you hear and you see what's been said, or even if some bit of the of the rumor mill permeates its way to the Cork group over the over the last two weeks, I think there's stuff in the Cork boys, and I, I I think they're going to react, and and I could be way off with that, but I, I think they will. Um, as a as as a hurler on the ditch these days, Derek, I do wonder: do you smile kind of with the the endless debate about where Mark Coleman should play? Because obviously. You were Austin Gleason's manager for a few years, and you kind of you had to listen to everybody giving you their two cents worth on where someone should play, and it's, you know. Yeah, and if you, want to, if you want to give me a list of earnings now, people are important to kind of propose defensive systems for every team, you know, and and don't even get me going. Yeah. <laughs> the populist language, or the unpopular language, is now the populist language, but that's that's okay with me too. Coleman, listen, I'll give you an example. When we set up against Coleman, seventeen, we set up in the Munster Championship. We actually switched Brick from 10 to 12 to Mark um, Joyce, Christopher Joyce, and we put a kind of Stephen Bennett on Mark Coleman. And we said, you know, Stephen, we've had the legs to stay with Mark Coleman. Mark Coleman played very well that day. And when, we, when it came to the semi-final that, that year, we actually went with a guile of Brick lying right up on top of Coleman, almost kind of trying to stop him. So, look, the, the difficulty for me, I, I remember reading Jack O'Connor's book when he talked about Declan O'Sullivan having to take him out of the of the kind of the forefront of people's attention when, when, you know, there was so much speculation about him. And I'm wondering, you know, in terms of man management, there's so much talk about Mark Coleman and his, and his, his non-ability to play the role. And actual fact, I think if you left him on the edge of the D and left him be the outball there for the keeper, the outball for everyone, and had someone actually had the wall. For me, the big issue with Cork is the wall of cover is not big enough. It's not, it's not vicious enough for Mark Coleman to do his job, if that makes sense, you know? Mm. And I know we all highlighted the, the issue with the goal, the Kyle Hayes goal, where he got sucked. But if you get sucked like that, you need your team, you need your midfielders back, on, you need your wing forwards back covering, tracking, so that they bump into somebody. So for me, I expect Cork to have a bigger wall, a greater ferocity in terms of the, 
what Robbie O'Flynn and what the boys can do in the half forward line in front of them. And so Mark Coleman won yet to answer your question. You know, Mark Coleman is a really good hurler wherever he plays. And and I'm hoping he has a good game on a personal level for himself because you know he's a good chap and he, and, he, and he's 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 a great hurler. So we're we're best. Do you put him at wing back on, on the wing forward that, that's least likely to do you damage and leave him hurled from there? That's what they did in the semi-final last year. They actually marked TJ Reid with Millerick last year. They marked at centre back and they, they left Coleman at right half back. Mark and John Donnelly, he left John Lee, John Donnelly go down the field and he hurled an ocean of ball from, from right half back, which is what Dermot Burns does for, for Limerick. Yeah. Um, it, it's an interesting one, Colm, because Claire were very impressive the last day. Question marks are obviously about the strength of the opposition, but um, as was pointed out here on uh, Monday, they did it without Tony Kelly having to lift 14 men on the shoulders by any, you know, by any account. You know, they've obviously... They brought through new players like Mouncey, Peter Duggan is back. Shane O'Donnell is fit and strong and buffed up and playing wing forward. Like, like it's, 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 there's a whole new look to it. And you talk about a wall and Derek talks about a wall and being strong and vicious enough. There's very few questions about the Clare defence side. Or they look to be in very good shape, but this will be a proper test. Yeah, obviously uh, Derek has spoken about uh, permutations with regard to the, the Cork team and movement of players, and we've referenced it uh, with Kilkenny as well about how Brian Cody has tweaked. And, uh, and Brian Lohan has done it too with John John Conlon's repositioning, and that started last year, but it, it really was effective uh, last weekend against Tipperary. He was dominant, and for a guy that was such an effective uh, uh, target man uh, up front for, uh, for Clare for years, uh, to make that transition back to centre-back was really, really... Uh, Really impressive from him. Uh, they also have moved David Fitzgerald up front, and maybe there's a maybe there's a clue in that for for Cork because I feel one of the changes Cork should make is to move Tim O'Mahony up front to give them to give them a target and a presence there. There are very few teams that are operating without some kind of target like that. Mm. Fitzgerald up on the half forward line, very very effective too, and obviously they have Duggan inside, and that brings a size factor uh, that obviously Limerick can bring, and obviously. Uh, Kilkenny have TJ, his ability to win aerial ball too. So I think Cork, that's probably something that Cork need a little bit more of. And that's O'Mahony played a lot of his underage hurling for Cork uh, <clears throat> and even for his club. He's played up front as well. So I think that's one one potential mm. factor there. Clare, very, very impressive last weekend. They really broke broke from the front. And having Duggan, having two players like Duggan and Shane O'Donnell, who weren't there obviously last year, and Duggan hasn't been there uh, for a few years now because of his travels, uh, Having two dynamic players like that, you saw Shane O'Donnell's catch. You just see his 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 movement out at half forward there, uh, a new release for him, and he looks so so lively. And as you said, Tony Kelly didn't fire like we expect him to, but that's the that's the rate of expectation too. Mm-hmm. And also, you have players like Cahill Malone, who has been one of the best midfielders over the last couple of years in the game too. So quietly, Clare have put themselves in a very very strong position. They, they know their best team. That's a real strength for them, that they've known their best team for some time. It's a really becoming a really settled team, even with Rory Hayes at cornerback there. Again, like Malone for the last two or three mm. years, he's been one of the best in his position. So quietly, they have come so strong there. They're in, uh, they've come so strong there, again, with knowledge of the team. And they're like Kenny, they're only adding a player here or there every year. Yeah, uh, And they're able to knit it in in, in that way. And they're in a really good place now. 
Yeah, and they've obviously got a bit of strength from the death uh, from the bench, the likes of Shane Golden and Jack Brown. I'll come to you in a second, Rory. I just want to get Derek's prediction because I know he has to shoot off. So, Derek, how do you see this one going? Yeah, I think Cork will rebound. I, I expected him. You know, and I was going to say I hope, but I don't. But I, you know, I, 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 not that I don't hope it either. But I, you know, I expect Cork to, to bounce back. Um, I'm hoping, and as I said, I think there's good stuff in some of them younger lads in, in the Cork squad. Fitzgibbon, Kingston, those, and I expected to come out. On All Sunday. right. Well, Derek, thanks very much for joining us, and we'll catch you again. Good luck. Um, no worries, Rory. Yourself, how do you um, how do you see this one going? Well, look, I think from Cork's perspective, I think they at least I think the one positive that they can probably take from last Sunday and Clare's performance is that they know what's coming. I don't really see any changes to the Clare starting team, so they got a really good look at exactly what how Clare are going to set up. Their position, uh, the new, the, you've obviously got Peter Duggan back in, Shane O'Donnell back in. So Cork will know exactly. The only maybe conundrum that they might have is where does Tony Kelly end up going and how they employ him to try and drag. Like, obviously, they, it was very effective last week in terms of creating space inside by him pulling James Kennedy all over the field. but And he didn't really hurl that much ball himself. But from Cork's perspective, at least that is one one plus in that they're forewarned as forearmed. Having said that, it did look to me on week one that Cork have a lot. Like, I mean, that team, you know, in a Formula One sense, needs to go into the garage for quite a bit. And there's quite a bit to fix. And the clock now is very much ticking. And um, I'm not entirely sure if they're going to be able to make the necessary repairs in time to stop a sort of a Claire, um, the, the momentum that Claire have built up. And I'd be a little bit fearful because I think momentum is a massive thing, particularly in this round, Robin. I think if you were in the Claire camp this week, I'd, I think the atmosphere would be very, very different to the one in the car camp. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of, um, there, there'd be a lot of question marks. There'd be a lot of people unsure you know, of themselves. There's a lot of local criticism, whereas in Clare, it's completely the opposite. Now, I think Derek's point is well made that, you know, their backs are against the wall to a certain extent. And if they don't come out, and if they don't come out, you know, and play play with a bit of Cork spirit, and, and if they can't get that win that they obviously need because their season's over, really, if they don't, and they have no business being in the championship from there on anyway. So, and I think they understand that. That's why it makes it very, very hard to call. And I'm not really sitting on the fence here when I say I I would not be surprised to see this one finish level pegging at the very, very end. Yeah. I, uh, which, would be I, no good, which would be no good to either team, by the way. No. <laughs> I, I can't see beyond the Clare win myself. I, I have a goldfish memory. I'm just like... Clare were really good last week. Cork were bad in their first game. Clare are yeah. going to win. But I, what do you think, Colm? And also, just like to get your opinion on some teams lose, say Wexford lose, and it's down to tactics. It's down to kind of a lack of a free taker. It's de- like, you know, it's listed off fairly logical explanations. Cork lose, and it's immediately character, stomach, bottle. It's kind of unusual, isn't it? They, they, they really do tend to get it in the, in the guts when they lose the game. Yeah, and I, I just coming away from Parky Cueve uh, two weeks ago, that Aaron Kingston couldn't emphasize enough how two weeks was a godsend to them. Because if they had to go out last weekend and play again, I don't think they would have beaten 
beating anybody. But that extra week gives them uh, a chance to breathe and a chance to make those small changes. They're not seismic changes that have to be made, as Derek, as Derek did say. So it just gives them a little chance to reset. Um, but certainly patience seems to be wearing a lot thinner in Cork now than it was after last year's All-Ireland final defeat to, to Limerick. When everyone accepted, that was one of the great performances and Cork's time is going to come anyway. And that was a lesson that you'll, you know, package away for, for future reference again. And they come back. Colum, Colum, just on that, and I think there, there, there needs to be... Look, there are some good players coming through. That's absolutely... I, I'd accept that, right? You do have some good players. But we've seen... Many, many times in the past, in both codes, hurling and football, like, I mean, I don't know how many minor titles Galway have won. I don't know. Like, Limerick had a fantastic run back in the early 2000s where they won three under-21s in a row, and they got nothing out of it. I mean, they made a couple of All-Ireland finals. I think that was about the size of it. I don't even, did they even win a Munster Championship? I don't think they did. So there can be a danger in that you get your, you get your underage house in order, and you just assume that it's going to happen at senior level. Would that be fair? Yeah, that's it. And uh, happened to Limerick, didn't it? Yeah, it, it was 2000, mm. 2000, 2000, 2001 and two thousand and two. Two, yeah. And they they didn't really follow, and they reached the the two thousand seven All Ireland final. Look, obviously, hurling and football are strewn with stories like that. Uh, even you could say. Have Clare got everything that they should have got out of the trio of All Ireland uh, under twenty one? Now, obviously, they won an All Ireland title in the middle of that, mm. and went on and won a league in twenty sixteen. So it's a lot better than what Limerick was, but they won three All Ireland under twenty one titles. And Galway are perennial Galway, minor Galway, titans. Is it at minor, yeah. minor more so than than yeah. under twenty? Under twenty one is probably the better guide. It's probably yeah. the better guide. But again, it comes down to individual players as much as anything, and. You can identify a few very, very good in, uh, uh, individual players who will really drive drive on Cork. And there's two of them in the team at the moment, Shane Barrett yeah. and Kieran Joyce. You will build a team around them in the future, and they're they're young men. You know, they're they're still they're they're, they're still very young. So uh, I do think I kind of with Derek on this. I think whatever is in Cork will come out and has to come out uh, this weekend. Uh, backs to the wall is is a great place to be in one respect. And I take the criticism locally and how different it is in Clare. But sometimes the imperative of winning really, really sits with a team. And I think it's there with, with, with Cork this weekend, provided that they make the changes and those adjustments and uh, that they're not caught, you know, turning back into defence too often, as happened the last day, and they were really, they were really caught like that too, far too often. And there was there was, certainly wasn't enough movement up front and not enough targets, I don't think, that they could trust to put the ball up there with a little bit of dispute about those balls that they could uh, that they could, that they could go and win them. They just don't have enough of that. Yeah. The well, the one th that they have to make. Yeah, the, the thing there, Rory, as well, that there was there was a psychological element that, of that it was Limerick and that they were kind of probably questioning themselves before they even looked up the field or, you know, that the, the Limerick may have some kind of a, a psychological kind of hold over Cork, perhaps, or at least... Cork know that Limerick's tactics are kryptonite to them. They won't feel like that about Clare, so they might already be less inhibited and they might be a little bit more free and play the game that they want to play. Mm, but look, Limerick have a psychological hold over everybody. I tell you, you know, I think if you took the best to the rest and you 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 made a combined team, they'd probably give Limerick a game, but 
they might necessarily beat them if Limerick were at full strength. I, 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 I don't think that's an issue. But I do think there are other fundamentals that have shown up time and time and time again. The biggest problem, and I, 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 you know, look, it is a local gripe, but it is one that you can, it might seem, you know, fairly rudimentary and slightly innocuous. But the forwards, Shane Barrett aside, just do not work hard enough. The forwards do not. Modern forwards now, because of the nature of the way the game has gone and the fact that the middle third of the field has become a much more congested area where people are all dropping back in and that's effectively become a war zone for possession a bunch of breaks then and then you clip your point off when when the ball pops out like the cock forwards just do not engage in that they're not built for it I mean you know like can you see for all his incredible skill and all his service and all the contribution that Patrick Horgan has given to Cork Curling. Is he going to be getting into the trenches and flaking and belting and chasing lads down and hooking and blocking? He does it a little bit, but I don't know, is it a bit of window dressing to, to a certain extent? Like, I just don't think he's built for that. Mm. Uh, and and, and you're, you're, that's a mindset shift. I don't necessarily think it's something that they can't do um, because obviously it, it's application and desire and work rate. They're, they're kind of you know fixable things because the things you can't fix is natural skill and ability which car have an abundance mm. but that does that will require a mindset shift and i think if they start their defense from the front on sunday and you have 15 players working in unison and in song together i think they will be difficult to beat yeah. but i'm not so sure if we're going to get that Okay, before this turns into Hurling's version of the Neil Prendeville show, we better we we, 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 better, we better let it go. <laughs> we'll be back in a minute with Colm O'Rourke to talk about uh, Gaelic football. He hits it, he hits it, it's over the bar! Oh, holy Moses! Welcome back. We've been joined by Colm O'Rourke, so you could say we have a surfeit of uh, columns from Meath at the moment. But um, can you ever have too many columns from Meath, Colm O'Rourke? Yeah. Maybe two is too 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 many. <laughs> just, Mikey, Mikey, just one point though that I do I do think is worth making. Colin was on with us. Colin O'Rourke was on with us on the night of the league final, and his analysis afterwards of Mayo, which in typical Colin O'Rourke fashion was blunt and to the point and short and shrift, was Mayo are limited. They don't kick the ball in, and they're predictable. And of course. You had the usual new fad cottage coaches up and down the country, right? And these in these in the village of Twitter idiots, as Don Logue correctly pointed out, jumping on his case about, oh, he doesn't understand the modern game. He's out of touch. He hasn't a clue. He doesn't understand the stats and the 4.7% on the turnover of the kickout strategy to, that turns into the scoring rates and all this. And of course. They lose last Sunday, and pretty much the synopsis is, why did Mayo lose? They're predictable, and they don't kick the ball in. But the other side of it, Rory, is why does anybody pass any remarks in the fucking ages on Twitter? What's that got to do with reality? I know, I know. I'm I always know, amazed know, by know, you passing any remarks yeah, and saying we've got true, this true. reaction on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Do you know any of your friends who are real GEA people who yeah. go on Twitter to make comments about the GEA? I don't. Yeah. 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 So you think Elon Musk is is Elon Musk wasting his money then, Colin? Is he? (laughs) He's thrown his his forty-five billion away. My Uh, my mother used to say, "A fool and his money are easily parted." He's he's plenty of it to be parted from. You'd be all right. Um, From Elon Musk, we'll we'll go to uh, another independent thinker in Dara O'Shea. I I don't think we can avoid it. It was uh, quite the column yesterday in the Irish Times. He was kind of just he he just dwelt on the. the decision to allow the Cork footballers host Kerry and Parky Ring. Um, and uh, he didn't hold back. I'll just read a couple of paragraphs from it. In the last few years, Cork footballers have been a disgrace in the way they performed, in the way they've stood up for the great history of Cork football. They haven't played for their jersey. One win against Kerry in 10 years of football is a terrible return. There's no two ways about it. They could have taken any number of stands over the years. They could have fought for better coaching or better strength and conditioning or any of that background stuff. They could have drawn a line in the sand over the tactics they were being sent out to play with or the way it seems to have been accepted that they don't belong in division one anymore basically calling me saying they picked an odd fight and they should have been just as happy to get g'd up to go down to Killarney or play the game in Thurless or whatever and they don't even like playing in parky ring so there's no equi- there's no equating this to newbridge or nowhere it was just he thinks a waste of breath um i know you you came out and supported the cork footballers i, I can't imagine you've changed your stance since that they've won <laughs> I'm, all, I'm, I'm surprised that Kerry gets so exercised over something as minor as this. Uh, the same, they seem to get exercised over Tyrone last year and got a bit distracted. I don't think there's any chance that they're going to lose the game, but I'm surprised at the past any remarks. I thought Kerry would have just said, listen, fix the game wherever you like uh, uh, to the Cork County board. We'll turn up and play there and we'll beat you. It's no big deal. I think it's much ado about nothing. Yeah. I think, think Darrow O'Shea is right about the footballers. They haven't been very good. Nobody can defend that. I think, I think, Colm, that's what Kerry did effectively say, that when it came down to it, they said, look, you have to fix it in part. They didn't want, and I would think it came from the team management pretty strongly, we don't want any distractions here if we have to go to Parky Rin. But what amuses me in all of this is that the issue was never the home and away, home and away the venue issue. Uh, or the venue element to the home and away arrangement, which which was written many, many years ago, that it could only be Killarney or Parky Cueve where Cork and Kerry played championship games, and then Parky Rin came into the mix. But when the Munster Council made their statement initially flagging the change at the end of March, there was never any mention about uh, venues at that point or the home and away arrangement. It was about capacity, that this Parky Rin wasn't going to accommodate the crowd that they expected there. Uh, and it was only after that, to my mind, that the uh, venue issue was unearthed. And consequently, it was what bailed Munster out in all of this because we would still be in a protracted uh, issue around this if it wasn't for Kerry reaching to that venue venue um, element and saying, look, it's okay, we'll set this aside for you. That was never the initial issue. It was always about capacity. And the capacity is going to be pretty much around 11,000, maybe up to 12,000 for this game anyway. So it's back to where it started. And I don't think anyone really has come out of it well, apart from Kerry, who have said, I, to my mind, of Kerry have said, look, let it on here. Yeah, Rory, um, I'd say 11,000 would probably be ample enough. I don't think think there's going to be too many people banging on the door, is there? Yeah, six o'clock on a Saturday. You're looking at most of the football fraternity that would follow 
both teams, largely farming communities, six o'clock on a Saturday, it's absolutely fine. I think to Dara's point, in terms of the footballers' performances, you wouldn't necessarily disagree. The one thing I would say there is, unlike a lot of other counties, I used to always laugh when I'd hear, you know, uh, certain northern analysts slag Cork off because of the way they might lay down to Kerry. But a lot of these teams might meet Kerry once every 20 years. You know, like, I would like to see how you know, a Derry or a, a Mead, for instance, would get on against Kerry over the last 10 years. Would they have any more than one victory out of 10? Like Cork are in the unusual situation where they have to play them every year. And unfortunately, look, you're playing the standard bearers by and large for the game. And they're at they're flying at the peak of their powers now again. So look, I suppose they were looking for something to, I suppose, a crutch to kind of jump onto. The venue was something that they probably felt might maybe reduce the gap. Darius Collium might knock another couple of points off the margin, but it probably won't change the results. So, look, as as Cullum said, much ado about nothing. Yeah. Um, we'll move on to where the real action is this weekend, Laz, which is the Leinster Football Championship. The jewel in the GAA's crown, um, which is actually serving up quite a few interesting matches this weekend. The problem with it, Colm, I've been looking back a little bit, is that these kind of seeded preliminary rounds and quarterfinals, they're rarely a happy hunting ground for the teams who come through from the preliminary round. Um, you have to go back to 2019 when somehow Kildare and Meath ended up in the preliminary round. They did come through, but for the most part, the kind of the, the, the seedings aren't far off the mark. So this weekend you'd be looking at, you know, Wexford being up against it, Louth being up against it, Wicklow being up against it. Um, but that probably doesn't tell the full story, I think, because, um, you know, there's definitely, I would say not everybody in me that's sitting pretty thinking it's a done deal against Wicklow. And I would certainly say that there's some ease, unease in Kildare at the fact that they're playing Louth, who were, you know, they're one of the highest scoring teams in the country. Um, they're managed by Mickey Hart and they look they look better. You know, they're, they're a Mickey Hart team. They look better than the sum of their parts and the sum of their parts isn't bad in, on its on its own. Yeah, well, I think that uh, you have to take into account Dublin and all of this. If you took Dublin out of it for the last 10 years, you could have had a great Leinster championship. I'll be cracking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, there were all moderate enough teams, I suppose, at that time. But uh, it was just that Dublin are so far in front of everyone. If you put Dublin in most provinces, uh, it would have caused a bit of a calamity along the way. But uh, there, there are good matches. <clears throat> I don't think anyone in Mead would be taking Wicklow for granted, even though... Wicklow ended up with three points in the third division of the league and getting relegated. Uh, Mead ended up with six in Division 2 and uh, finished off a bit better. Uh, I was at the games, though, against Offaly and Down, and Mead were quite fortunate to get wins in those. Big win over Cork, win over, uh, win over Clare, and then finished off with a uh, a loss to Derry. I was at that match in Navin as well, and it was a sort of a dead rubber, nobody passed through a mark, which Mark said it resembled the challenge line. So still expect me to win. I think Kildare are possibly a bit unfortunate to have been relegated. They played quite well in, in a few games in Division One. They could have easily stayed up. They put on particularly good performance against Monaghan, ran up, was it 24 points, was it, in that game? Really, yep. really played well. And uh, I suppose the most interesting of all would be the dubs because the dubs malaise nearly started in this game last year. If you 
go back to it. Mm. You know, they were poor in that match. They ran up, uh, I think it was something like 14 points. They played poorly and we all said, Ash, they're just going through the motions. And the same thing sort of went on then. They had a poor second half in almost all their games. Wexford, Mead, uh, Kildare, and then, of course, uh, they got bitten by Mayo in the second half. So maybe we will see a different Dublin. I would presume that we will. I would say that they will try to start off with a, a bit of va-va-voom this Sunday or this Saturday evening. Yeah, uh, Colin, well, let, let's start with that one in, in Wexford Park then, just just by chance. Um, it's, you know, I think Johnny Doyle said, you know, yesterday that anybody thinking Dublin aren't going to be a factor or codding themselves. Um, and as, as as impressive as Wexford were, in, you know, they were impressive. They they beat they beat awfully. Um, you know, I wouldn't quite call it the tallest dwarf contest, but in, in relation to Dublin, perhaps it was. It was always a an, an enviable an enviable prize to have the dub six days later. Wexford kind of caught Wexford uh, caught Dublin by surprise last year, as I mentioned here on Monday, by tackling them, by you know being physical, by not standing off and admiring how nice the Dubs were. So you'd imagine the Dubs would be prepared for this this weekend. And as I think yourselves in the Irish Independent were reporting, um, Conor Callahan should be back, whether he starts or not is another thing. But that's that's huge as well, as much for confidence as for his you know scoring contributions. Yeah, he's been back. He was out with the squad. They went on a warm weather training week to Portugal, and uh, they are they, have, are they allowed again? Are they? They are, yeah. And they even applied for it and got clearance and all of that. So yeah, there are obviously teams can still go obviously between the between league and championship if the if the time allows. There's no, there are no club clashes now, of course. So they don't need that that. The, uh, the dub's only meant to not qualify for the league final so they could go on holiday, but they, they got it all wrong and they ended up getting relegated. <laughs> I, think, uh, I, I think I think with Wexford, I was at that game last year with Wexford, and you know, it was just the whole atmosphere, there was nobody at it, there was limited crowd at it, it was it was dead, and Dublin came in and almost uh, they, they played to that that day. It was it, it was one of their flattest, probably their flattest performance, at least at times against uh in subsequent games. Against against Mead, Kildare, and Mayo in the first half, as Colin pointed out, they did show something, but they showed nothing that day and really, really struggled. And it did set the tone for uh, for a lot of the, the rest the rest of the season. Wexford last weekend, very good win against Offaly, obviously, and they had Ben Brosnan back. Ben has been there is it fifteen since two thousand and eight? I think he made yeah, his- but wasn't there last year. He wasn't there last year, but uh, I just from 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 looking at some of his. Uh, his postmaster reaction. He says, "You know how hard he's worked. He's, I think he's thirty. Is he thirty-four Four. now? Mm. Um, he shed ten kgs during COVID to get himself fitter, and he's attributing that to that surge in form. So that's a pretty substantial. Uh, that's a pretty substantial sh- uh, drop. Uh, and he looked really, really sharp to score one eight. But against that, I, I do think Dublin, Dublin will correct a lot of what was wrong with them in the league. Obviously." They're flagging a little bit in certain positions. I think defensively, they have weakened a lot. There isn't obvious replacements there. And their bench isn't all that deep. And that's evident in the league. Obviously, when they get O'Callaghan back and they get Evan Comerford back in goals, a few players like that. But they had most of them coming back. And one of the notable things now is that James McCarthy has been appointed captain. Uh, And the aftermath of Stephen Cluxton's departure, of course, that fell to to Johnny Cooper, who had been vice captain, so that's a that's a pretty significant move from the management to uh, to overlook Johnny Cooper at this point and to give the captaincy to James McCarthy. Um, 
I do think they'll improve a lot. I do think they'll be right there when it comes to the business end of the championship. I think they'll sail through the Leinster Championship despite Kildare beating them in, in Newbridge. I don't think I don't think the gap has closed that significantly. I still think they'll be well well ahead here. And I, I, I last year it didn't get into double figures in Wex, Wexford Park. This year I think it will as a statement as much as anything else. Yeah, I think it's, in, I think it's interesting though, Mikey, that Column did mention that um uh, the warm weather thing. I remember when Eddie Brennan first came in with us on the Sunday game and he made mention of the fact that one of the, like Kilkenny never do this. Never. They never go abroad. Like it's, it's the crucible of Nolan Park and nowhere else. That's, 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 that's Brian Cody's mantra. And look, it's worked very well for them. So who's to say otherwise, but Eddie, I remember Eddie saying that as they, as their team was coming to the end, he always felt that maybe, a week for like certainly for some of the older players mightn't have been the worst thing you know just get a bit of sun in their backs and you know just like you know, clear up a few injuries you know gel the gel the panel a little bit together again and I just think it's interesting that Dublin chose to do that especially given the age profile of some of their more senior players and their leaders the Dean Rocks Johnny Cooper's James McCarthy himself, obviously Brian Fenton, an awful lot of football played now at this stage of his career. Kieran Kilkenny, likewise, and I think that could be um, that could be a nice little injection of morale into that whole camp ahead of the ahead of the campaign as a, uh, in general. Where's the warmest place you ever went for training, Colin? <laughs> Scotland. We went to Betty's Town in February and March. <laughs> tell you one thing. I couldn't say it live, but you know what a wind like that could do. <laughs> that was warm weather training, and then after that, if you survived that, I think you were ready for a championship. But yeah, I do see um, the benefits. What about, the, uh, what about Madrid in 2005? That was a good warm weather uh, expedition, wasn't it? <laughs> we went. Uh, we went on another warm weather weekend to Scotland in '91, uh, before the Fort Dublin match. So those sort of sort of trips of legend. <laughs> we never went to La Manga or Portugal or whatever. Nothing like that. But I, I do see benefits in it. Has to. It, it, it has to be benefit, beneficial. And the other thing I'd say about the Dubs is I think that they have almost the entire team that won the last All Ireland available to them. No, they haven't. As Colin was saying, they haven't to back up on the bench anymore, but they still have, I think, the sort of, uh, they have 13, 14, 15 of that group still available. And uh, I think the sort of uh, unofficial word was that maybe the training hadn't been going as well. Now, whether that was the quality of the training or the motivation, I don't know. But if they are motivated and hungry, I think they're still either the best or the second best group of players in the country. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I just like to compliment Ben Brosnan as well. I think he's a wonderful advert. It's so easy for fellas to keep playing with successful teams and are getting medals and things like that. But like for the likes of Ben Brosnan, isn't it just fantastic to see that service to a county? He, he knew for the vast majority of his career that he had no chance of winning a Leinster Championship, but yet... He's been a standard bearer for them, an outstanding forward for all those years. What's worse is he had the chance to win a Leicester Championship in the first couple of years of his career yes. and then knew after that that the chance was gone. Um, he's, the, he's the new Matty Ford, really, for them. 
uh, at 34 he's our new Matty 4 but yes you're right um, he's a tremendous man to kick a point when he's getting knocked over it's uh, one of his trademark moves I think is to be able to get a shot off as he's being tackled um, I, I, I'm unless anybody's going to contradict me I'm going to say we're all going for a Dublin win here are we <laughs> and I'll wait to be proven wrong gleefully <laughs> as I was last week I can't start backing them now that would just be Johnny come lately behaviour altogether well, um, Dublin, Dublin need to avoid the Talchin Cup but they're okay because they're still in Division 2 <laughs> 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 um, I, I think the most intriguing game then in terms of closeness in, in terms of the competition and the likelihood of uh, quote-unquote upset uh, column keys would be Kildare v Loud. Um, Loud were very impressive. Then the first day out, they kind of carried on with what they had been doing, which was scoring lots of goals and kind of um, just looking like a very cohesive team. But as Colin O'Rourke said, you know, Kildare may have been relegated from Division One, but they 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 you know they showed in patches that they are you know kind of a, a coming team. Um, you know you can see the brand of the new management there. So this is Kildare should win it, but if Loud win it, I don't think anybody will fall off their chair. Oh, well, Loud of a Loud of a habit every so often of coming up and beating Kildare in 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 landmark games. And uh, Glenn Ryan probably won't like this statistic, but. Loud beat Mick O'Dwyer in his first game in Drogheda to uh, a late flurry of goals and Stephen White uh, scored that day. And in 1995 for Dermot Early when he was in charge, his first game, Loud also beat, Kil- uh, Loud also beat Kildare in Newbridge. And that was the first, uh, that was the first live televised Sunday game uh, from what I recall on one Sunday evening in St. Conlon's Park. And then Excellent. in 2010, uh, early enough in Kieran McGinney's reign, Loud came into Navan and beat beat Kildare very very well that day. So they have a habit of from time to time of of, of picking off Kildare, and they're going pretty well. Obviously, since the Limerick game in the league down in UL, that was that was moved, uh, and they, they were behind in that. And Samuel Roy knocked over a load of late frees, and and uh, they went and won that, and they've won every game since. So they've won a championship game, a league final, and they won their last five. They're, they're unbeaten in their last seven games and they're improving all the time. And Mickey Hart has obviously made a real difference and he's getting a lot out of uh, a lot of their, a lot out of players that maybe wouldn't have fired the way they are now. And the example would be Tommy Dernan, midfielder, who's been outstanding for them. And he didn't even start the first two, two league games. So he's really come on strong. But there's a lot of pace in the team, especially up front with Samuel Roy, obviously, uh, Kieran, Kieran, Kieran Byrne, Kieran Downey, players like that—they've really, they've really got it together. But having said that, Kildare were operating at a very high level, and can you really back against a team that drew with Kerry and beat Dublin in their own home patch? And as Colin referenced earlier, ran up a really big score. And Newbridge isn't the easiest place to score either. Uh, um, to, to score 24 points against Monaghan that day, even though I think Monaghan may have had issues around illness or COVID or something like that, that, that they, they missed uh, a number of players and they went out the following weekend and, uh, and beat Dublin. So uh, having said that, they operated at such a high level there. They may not have Jimmy Hyland. He could be an injury doubt. That'd be a loss because he was very, very good for them during the league. But mm. Daniel Flynn, I mentioned players with pace on the loud team. There is no one quicker with a ball in hand than he is. Maybe maybe Jack McCaffrey in his day when he was playing, but Daniel Flynn is one of the quickest players around. And they'll have Kevin Feely as well under kickouts midfield. I think they have the structure to go on. Mm. Rory, I think uh, given how Kildare, that, that Monaghan game was referenced, I think it was their, their, their highest scoring tally since I think they beat Kilkenny in 1983 or something crazy like that. Um, there were 16 goals in the first three Leinster Championship matches this year, Rory. So... Um, 
uh, it's where you come for entertainment. Um, and, and like judging these two forward lines, like this, this I know Newbridge, as you say, isn't exactly a scoring field, but this this has a this could be a shootout, which would be great. I think this is this in is this in O'Connor Park? Is this in Tullamore? Um, yeah. It is, yeah. So I mean, look, yeah. the the one thing I so, would say. So Newbridge one, won't be a problem then. Yeah, the one the one, <laughs> the, the one thing I would say is, and 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 I remember um, Kieran Whelan referenced it on the night of the on the uh, just after the league finals um in in relation to Louth is that like they're like a kind of a Tyrone light in that they're playing a very similar system you know they're dropping everybody deep and they're leaving one or two up which is obviously Sam Mulroy I do think that's a sort of a limited enough game plan it'll only get you so far it might be good enough to put it up to Kildare for 50 or 60 minutes but you sh- you'd surely think a team that's been operating at a much higher level for a much longer period of time should have enough to eventually wear them down and and break through that. Um, Jimmy Highland, if if Colum is correct, that would be a blow. But I think if Kildare have any designs on making the last eight and certainly competing in Leinster, they need to be going out and do a professional job on Louth on Sunday. Colm O'Rourke, are you are you going to uh, are you going to pour cold water on the romance here as well? Predicted, no, uh, I, I, win. I, I think so. I often look at how many points a team scores in a game, and I, you always see the good teams will run up in championship 15, 16, 18 points. And I'd say that Loud must be concerned slightly that even though they ran up a big total against Carlo, they got five goals, but they only got 10 points. And 10 points is a poor enough return over 70 minutes of championship football. And some days the goals dry up. And you need to be able to pile on the points. And I think that's a big concern for them. I think Kildare, again, operating at a much higher level, I think that it would be, a, to me, it would be a very big shock if Loud beat them. Okay, well, um, I predicted Loud to be predict, uh, to be uh, uh, promoted from Division 3 and I was proved right. So I, I don't think Mickey's going to let me down now. I'm going to say I'm going for the shock because I that's what I do, because uh, I can crow about it then. Uh, when, when it comes through on that one time in 10, uh, I'd, be, I'd be a terrible gambler. <laughs> Good thing I'm not a gambler. Um, okay, to the other big game in Leinster then, a similarly intriguing one, I think. Colm O'Rourke, I'll go to you first. Uh, Mead v Wicklow, you say, you know, 10 points isn't a great score to rack up, um, especially against a team like Carlo. Wicklow managed 5-15, but they did concede 4-12. <laughs> So yeah. there's things for me to work on, shall we say. Absolutely. And one of Mead's big problems in all the earlier league matches was the fact that they were running up very small scores, seven points, nine points, one nine, that sort of thing. And uh, I know the, con- the weather conditions in the first part of the league were just dreadful. We had all those gales for the first three uh, mm. runs of the league. But Mead took a quite a hockey in from... Uh, both Roscommon and Galway early on. Now the ship was steadied with with draws, fortunate enough against both down an awfully good win over Cork, which may not have been the greatest achievement, but finished up with a defeat to Derry. Uh, I don't know where Wicklow pulled this performance from because uh, obviously they ended up bottom of Division 3 with three points and relegated, but they were playing the other team that was relegated, but in beating Leash, who had given them a hammering in the league, it was quite a reversal of form. Yet at the same time, again, it would be to me a very major surprise if uh, me don't beat Wicklow at home. Um, and comfortable. 
Yes, um, it's quite a turnaround for Wicklow all the same, isn't it, Colm? Colm Keyes, um, the fact that, you know, Alan Costello and Gary Duffy came in here, like, a very short notice, obviously they were selectors, they haven't come in out of the cold, but, like, Colin Kelly, that that was pretty abrupt, um, from what I know, um, living in Wicklow, I haven't got my ear that far to the ground, but I do know that it wasn't expected, it was a kind of a left the WhatsApp kind group kind of job, and that's how the players found out, so there must have been a little bit of turmoil internally, um, the league finished badly, so... And well, Leashart weren't pulling up trees either. Um, the, it was just the manner of the victory. There's obviously a bit of spirit in this Wicklow team, and there's also some very talented forwards, um, which will get you so far. Yeah, obviously, when 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 a management uh, leaves mid-season, as uh, or a manager, as 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 happens here, uh, as Colin Kelly did, middle of the league after four games, I actually think it can often have a, a galvanising effect. If you look at uh, Awfully some years ago when Stephen Wallace left and uh, Paul Rouse took over and a uh, little improvement through the qualifiers. Nace, Nace this year in the club. Uh, did, they, did they have a similar situation? The thing is, Rory, Nace were going, Nace were going very well uh, when, 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 the manager, when the manager left. They were making progress at that point. Um, and that was probably a different, I don't think there was, I don't think there was player conflict there, not knowing the full full facts and details about that, but I don't think it amounted to player. Uh, it was more an issue with the with the club in that regard, but they were going well, whereas obviously Offley, and I'm only citing this one example, there are many examples uh, of a manager leaving uh, in mid-season, but in this case, actually Wicklow did finish the league a little bit better and picked up from there, and they have some talented forwards. Uh, obviously, Kevin Quinn, uh, the, the highlights reel from him last weekend and the, the goals he scored, but also Mark Kenny scored five points off left and right, and he's a really very, very well-balanced player too, and they've Owen Darcy. Owen Darcy and Kevin Quinn would be two of their best players, and they're very, very young. They were under 20 last year, and they were mm. kept the under-20s last year uh, rather than allow them to play senior football uh so, so they're in now. They're integrated in now. So it's a decent, it's a decent forward, full forward line. And they also have Mark Jackson in goals. He's one of the better goalkeepers around now, and he gives them, uh, he gives them distance from freeze, which is something actually Mead have introduced with their keeper Harry Hogan has been uh, has been added that dimension for long range freeze and actually closer range freeze. He's almost become the, the I think he's become the main free taker column, hasn't he? Uh, essentially. But Mark Jackson offers that too. But having said all that, Mead beat Wicklow quite easily again through goals uh, in the 2020 championship. Seven, seven, seven yeah. goals or something. Yeah. So I, I, you'd obviously expect Wicklow. You know that's not going to happen again. Um, but Mead are operating at a level. They're neither. They're, no, they're not really a top. You know, are they a top 11, 12 team? They're just about outside that bracket. And they've been stuck around that for a while, even though they got up to Division One and into All Ireland. Uh, quarterfinal series but they're they're not really making any advance they should be good enough to beat Wicklow I think with a bit to spare yeah. how much further they go beyond that I'm, I'm not sure you're nodding in agreement Rory yeah like I mean 28 points was the gap two years ago and that match was in Fortress Ockram like Meath at home this time the gap will be a bit closer they look a little bit more spirited they've got um I think it was that Nicky Devereaux that used to play with Dublin wing yes. half back for mm-hmm. them as yes. well so they've added a few <laughs> extra strings to their bow and uh but no, like I mean, you like I don't think I was reading up there. I think Wicklow haven't beaten Meads in the championship since 1957, and it ain't going to be happening this weekend. Um, just a word then I don't want to ignore games, but at the same time, like we, we have a lot of football, we're not going to get a detailed discussion on everyone. So, just to round off, uh, Leinster in a word, Westmead or Longford, Colm O'Rourke. 
Uh, Westmead. Colin Keyes. Yeah, Westmead to reverse. Longford beat them in the league by four points, but I think I think Westmead, uh, they, they'd be more geared for championship. So I think I, I, I would say Westmead too. And Rory? Yeah, I think so. Like I was just again looking ahead, looking ahead. I think it's their first meeting. Like it's, it's, Leinster can be funny. They, these two teams, given the proximity and everything, they haven't met in the championship for fourteen years. You know, which is very unusual. Like a first championship meeting between them, but and they've met three times. I think between league games and Melbourne Cup games in the last twelve months. But I think Westmead will just have too much. But I'll be that'll be tight. I wouldn't be surprised to see extra time in that one. Okay, um, we'll move north to Ulster to maybe the the the, the most intriguing match, um, perhaps of the weekend outside of Leinster. Obviously, Colm O'Rourke is is Derry v Tyrone. Tyrone have had their kind of their leg stretched. They've kind of they've opened up against Fermanagh, particularly in the second half. They kind of flex their muscles, show what they can do. Um, Derry, a lot of hype about them. Um, beginning of the chat of the league. Partly due to the how the fixtures fell for them, and kind of obviously they missed out on promotion then against Galway and Roscommon. Um, would you give them a chance of putting it up to Tyrone here? Because like traditionally in the championship in the last I don't know twenty years, they've kind of flattered to deceive, particularly against Tyrone, their great rivals. Yeah, I think that the, the Derry Tyrone uh, rivalry, which was really intense twenty thirty years ago, has become a bit like Cork and Kerry, and has yeah. fallen completely flat. Recently, and obviously there are indications there. You have significant improvement, but at the same time, they're now playing the All Ireland champions. They're moving up a gear. Tyrone, to me, didn't seem to take the early games of the league too seriously. They were intent on just staying in the first division and uh, geared up for the championship. I was more impressed, I think, than most people with their performance against Fermanagh. Uh, I think when they started to really go at Fermanagh in the sort of 10 minutes before halftime and the 15 minutes after halftime, they were quite devastating and showed a lot of potential. And their two midfielders uh, seem to have, Kennedy and uh, Kilpatrick seem to have improved significantly. I think Tyrone are still going to be a big force in the championship. Obviously the likes of Conor Glass and Shane McGuigan are probably as good as most other counties have, but. I watched Derry in Navin against Mead, and I can't say that I was particularly impressed with them. Uh, they were a bit unfortunate against Roscommon in the league. If they had to win that day, they could have been promoted. And circumstances, if you go back to it, remember Shane McGuigan was sent off on a second yellow or a black card, was it? And wasn't able to take the free at the end that would have won them the game. And uh, they're, they're still, I think, a level below Tyrone. So Tyrone for me. Okay, I I don't know why you had to bring up Derry Roscommon. We're still getting it's uh, the the uh, the village of idiots of Twitter there, Colin. We're still we still get the angry tweet from Roscommon fans about how we discussed that incident. So moving on swiftly, uh, <laughs> um, Colin Keys. I'm one of the people who's kind of drank the Kool Aid on this Derry team. I really like them. I just 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 because of the sheer talent that they have, kind of scattered throughout the team. Um, the kind of fact that kind of they have scores from their full back line to their full forward line, I want to believe that they can beat Tyrone. Can you make any case for it? I think they'll make life very difficult for them. That's for sure. They'll set up in a way that uh, Tyrone will have to be very, very patient. I think that's their best chance of of uh, of staying in this game and maybe catching catching Tyrone late. Uh, but I don't see them having enough 
uh, quality up front. They have a lot of strong runners, Garrett McKinless and obviously Chrissy McKaig and Brendan Rogers from the back. Uh, but I just don't see them having that quality. Shane McGuigan's a very, very, very good forward. And obviously Niall Lachlan was good throughout the league as well. But I don't see them matching up to what Tyrone, Tyrone bring from an attacking sense. I think Derek Canavan, while he didn't show everything against Fermanagh, I think he'll make he'll make big progress this year for Tyrone. Obviously, Colin McShane, this time on his side, and Conor McKenna got off on his, uh, had his red card overturned earlier in the week. And I'd expect him to actually start because of the impact he made and the energy he brings to Tyrone at all times. And, you know, he's, he's a player that big plays all the time. Mm. Uh, you could see that against against Fermanagh the last day. So, you know, they could have Peter Hart back as well. He must be pretty close to being back as well. And while, like Dublin, you think, well, with the loss of those players, maybe their bench is weakened a bit. It probably is to a degree, but I still think 1 to 17 or 18, they are right up there with, obviously, they're all Ireland champions. Of course, they're right up there. But I don't see any major dip in form, and I'd expect that likes of McKenna, McCurry, Derek Hanavan will weave their way. They'll, they'll pick their moments against this Derry defence and they'll eventually break them down and 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 they'll win. He could have knocked me down with a feather, Rory, when uh, Conor McKenna got off with his uh, suspension. Um, it is interesting that he didn't start, like it was for Mana, they probably weren't showing their full hand, but it's it does speak to the strength of this Tyrone squad that Conor McKenna, who's like clearly a superb, absolutely wonderfully talented footballer, great physical athlete like doesn't necessarily have to start same way they had Mac Shane last year you know didn't feel a need to start him that kind of strength and depth which has obviously been hit by the departures you know they still have enough that Conor McKenna wasn't an automatic starter in the first round of the Ulster Championship yeah I think uh, the, the, the build up to a certain extent had a lot of the preview chat has been loosely based around maybe one player that shouldn't be playing in Conor McKenna and then another player who maybe should be playing and is not in Kieran McFall and I think he's a massive loss for Derry I mean look I thought he was one of their best players right throughout the league campaign and for him to decide to go to America I'd say like I can imagine I would love to have been a fly on the wall when he had that conversation with Rory Gallagher but I'd go along with the two lads. They just don't. That might be another leave the WhatsApp group yeah. situation. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, on your yeah, way to the yeah, airport. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, but but like I go along with the two lads. Absolutely. I like. I mean, I was just looking back at their last five championship meetings. You mentioned that they haven't re- hasn't really been a rivalry in twenty years, and I think that's how far back you have to go back to two thousand and six for Derry's last win, the championship yeah. against Tyrone. They've only scored one goal in the last five championship meetings. Um, now the funny thing is. Tyrone will give you chances. Like they will give you the odd chance. And I look for Man, I got two the last day. If they can get a couple of goals, I'd give Derry a shake. But no more than that, really. I just think Tyrone are operating at a higher level. They've timed their run differently. I think Cullum was right. They kind of arse boxed around the league. You know, they they just made sure they stayed up in the end. And um, like all their focus is to go back to back, which I think they'll also struggle to do, but they'll have enough for Derry on Sunday. Okay. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Derry. Um, breezing through Monaghan v down. You love uh, an underdog, Mikey. You yeah. love I do. Yeah. An underdog. yeah, but you see that was under my breath that time. I don't really believe in this underdog anymore. This underdog I predicted will win the Ulster Championship. I've I've, yeah. I've I've all of a sudden lost a lot of faith in them. Um, Monaghan v down. This is another kind of one word lads because um, Down's build up to this has obviously not been great. James McCartan, uh, very unhappy with. 
kind of attitude at a mini training camp, I think. I don't know if it was on Bettystown Beach and I don't know whether the wind was a factor of Colm Rook, but he was he was cajoled back, but down don't they don't seem to be a happy, motivated team. Um which is exactly what they're coming up against in Monaghan. It's, I, can anybody make any case for a downwin here? Not really. I think they were really poor in the league. And I think James McCartan has given the impression of a man who's after wandering into a job <laughs> and beginning to think, why did I do this? Yeah. Uh, things have changed significantly. This parachute's a rucksack. So it seems to have been a lot different when he was there before in terms of commitment and getting the best out of them. So... Like again, Monaghan ultra competitive in the first division. Uh, again, hard to see by Monaghan in this one. Yeah, Colin Keys, any 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 prayer for Down? Uh, no, even though they won their last championship uh, meeting, I think that was five five years ago. But that's again, Colin mentions different from James McCartney's time. It's different. It's different here again. They really are. Uh, depleting with every with every passing year, and they're particularly poor uh, during the league. And they didn't get all the Kilku players back that they probably would have wanted. Um, and Monaghan, you know, we mentioned Kildare operating at a higher level in our conversation around Lancer. Well, that's the case with with Monaghan too. And for them to do what they did to Dublin um, on the last day of the league, and the manner of their victory too. I think they're they're one of the most organised teams around. They may have some of their some of their players maybe uh, uh, on the wrong side of thirty and all that, but they're still giving a lot. And you know the two half backs there, Connor McCarthy has moved back, and Ryan McInnesby, and that's the real energy around the team. And of course, Jack Jack McCaffrey or Jack McCarran has been uh, has been resurgent, and uh, you know he's really enjoying a, a, an Indian summer to his career. Even though he's only in his late twenties, he's still been he's been very very strong. So all yeah. around, I think Monaghan will will have far too much for uh, for down. Yeah, and the the winners obviously Rory played the winners of Derry and Tyrone. So Monaghan will they'll they'll want to not put on a show, but they'll want to make sure everything's in work and order here. They like they they're just they they're just the great survivors in the league, and they just they seem as Colm says they just kind of keep coming. They regenerate every year. Um, so. Like if they put on a good show against them, you couldn't like Tyrone won't be would be very very wary. Like they probably see themselves as being on the tougher side of the draw here. The one thing you'd say about Monaghan is they have struggled in the past when they have been labelled with the favourites tag. When they've gone in where there's a little bit of expectation, you know they've been caught a few times. Um, that's not going to happen obviously this weekend. And I just think the whole thing around down football for me. It's, it's kind of sad, actually, in one sense. I mean, like, whether Tyrone like to admit it or not, in my head anyway, um, down are, are the true aristocrats of Ulster football, Um, you know, going back. And I know Cullum obviously has a sore point on this, going back to 91 too. But, like, to, like you know, when you think of the players that they've produced down through the history, and the McCartans themselves, you know, like the family... It's just incredible, incredible footballers that they have produced all down through history. Mickey Linden, Greg Blaney, all these guys, incredible. Like, and the style of football, Sean O'Neill going back to the 60s, like the style of football that Down have played. And then I look at what's going on in their club scene. And you obviously have the current All-Ireland club champions. They won an Ulster uh, under 20 title last year. So I just don't know. Like you're kind of saying to yourself, what the hell is going on? You know, and... um. It's it's just sad that they're going in with such low expectations for a county that I would 
generally feel should be right up there in the mix with all the with all the top thoroughbreds but yeah I don't really see anything other than a Monaghan win this weekend I just think they're too low an ebb and um, yeah it'll be an interesting semi-final then between themselves and Tyrone if that's how it plays out I don't think Rory though that uh, Kilku being All-Ireland club champions I don't think there's sort of a significant advantage for down county team in that and it's Mm. been the same in a lot of counties Mm. where they have club champions it often has been more of a distraction than anything else. Yeah. And the style of play of Kilku, and they're a team where they are a team rather than special individuals. And I don't know whether, maybe apart from a couple, there's anybody there who would make a significant difference to the down team, mm-hmm. even even though I suppose if three or four of them went in on the panel. But uh, they, they seem to be wrapped up in their club scene more so than given commitment to the county. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's a shame because uh, obviously one of our own Aidan O'Rourke is in there as coach as well. Is obviously an excellent coach, and it just it just doesn't seem to be happening for them. Um, but you had the same, you had the same with Cross Midlen. Like there wasn't mm. a significant material advantage to our man. Cara Finn really, I mean, mm. haven't like, in a similar sense, you know. Bally Gunner in Waterford hurling yeah. out a mass producer yeah. of yeah. players yeah. for the county team either. Yeah. Yeah, but in football, you know, you mentioned Cara Finn, Cross Midlen, and and Kilgo. Sometimes there is a bit of conflict between the the strong club yeah. team in in a in a county like that and the county team, and that that probably that probably has happened in those counties in the past too. Yeah. Um, looking west, we got one game there: Sligo v Roscommon. Sligo of home advantage, but I don't think judging. Unless New York have become a powerhouse of Gaelic football, it's hard, it's hard to see how home advantage is going to do a lot here. A- anybody, Colm O'Rourke, can you make a case for Sligo here? This is a Roscommon win, isn't it? Not really. I watched the Sligo-New York game live uh, up in RTE when, on the Sunday game that night, and it was a very enjoyable game, I must say. But uh, the second half was basically uh, a lot of pass the ball away to the opposition. And it was very exciting, and it was at a level. And that level would be substantially below uh, Roscommon, I suppose. You have to take into account Roscommon won the second division. They scored 120 against Galway. Galway, who have now come along and beaten Mayo in the championship. So uh, it's it's a very competitive Connacht championship between Galway, Mayo and Roscommon. Uh, and the rest are a little bit behind or maybe a good bit behind. Yeah, uh, I'm going to take it. Everybody else agrees we have a Roscommon win here, yes? Yeah, I think though Cullum does make a good point in relation to Sligo. And it sometimes, I, I don't know whether it was maybe forgotten to a certain extent in the aftermath of that win over in New York. Like the Sligo players went into that game with a very, very difficult mindset. There was a lot going on, as we know. Mm. You know, um, those players had to travel to New York with, you know, terrible, a terrible tragedy going on in the background. And for them to go out and play the way that they did, that they did I'm not so sure if they were actually given enough credit for that in a lot of ways, because playing football was probably the last thing that they wanted to do at that point. Yeah. When they've gone on to win the, uh, the under-20s beat. Uh, yeah, beat which is a huge thing as well for Sligo football. It, Fantastic. It, it, it yeah. really has them. But I, I think Ross Common's forward line is one of the best in the game. I think mm. the players that they've put together between... With the two Smiths, uh, Kieran Murtha, Connor Cox, and and uh, you know they're really really strong. They've Keen McKeown there as well. They're very very good midfield as well, Colum. Very good midfield. Ulton Harney and Eddie Nolan have played all the games in the league. They've forged a great partnership, and they're hard to break down to. Yeah. With the two dailies there, the daily, the dailies. Yeah, you know, they, <laughs> they have a, 
they, they, you know, they have a strong, they have a very, very strong, I think their forwards are really good. And yeah. uh, I, I think they'll, I think they'll really put it up to, I think it'll be Galway obviously coming through against Leitrim in a Connacht final. I think Roscommon will be here. And I certainly, just because Galway beat Mayo, there's no certainty that they'll push Absol- on. Him. Absolutely not. That's not how the Connacht Championship works. And it's one of the nope. great things about it. Finally then to Munster. Oh, uh, the big yeah. one. Rory, we'll go to your home, your home, your home <laughs> province. We'll go yeah, to you first. Yeah. Look, we talked about Cork and Kerry. They're one side of the draw. So there is, there is a big, very big carrot here for the Massive. four teams playing here. Claire yeah. v. Limerick, yeah. Waterford v. Tipperary. Win two games and you stay in the Sam Maguire for the teams from Division 4 and Division 3. We're not here denigrating the Talton Cup. We keep mentioning it. It could be an absolutely wonderful thing. There's plenty of counties now. Lee should be a great example of a team who could really use a great run in the yeah. Talton Cup. Um, but... Like the chance of making a monster final here, yeah, you're probably going into the big green and gold thresher, but at the same time, like it's a monster final. And um you'd say that Rory Clare and Limerick game in particular is very intriguing. Clare are a known quantity and Limerick are very much a common force. Yeah, I think Limerick have put a huge amount of work in and I think they have, I mean, look, they're going to avoid the Talchin Cup anyway because they got promoted out of Division 3. But and and um, but I think the, the, the one team to watch on that side of the draw from me will be Tipperary. I think they have rallied somewhat. They had obviously a desperate start to the league campaign. They had a huge turnover of players, obviously. Michael Quinlevin is in America at the minute and, um, you know, they're kind of left with, um, Connor Sweeney to start to lead the line on alone up front. It's a tricky enough game for them going on to Waterford, but they they will win that, which will put them into a semi final against either Clare or Limerick, and that's a much more difficult game to call. Now, look, Clare obviously have a bit more form, but I would see that really very much as a 50-50 Clare Limerick. Very fit, like now everyone will go for Clare on the basis of Colum Collins and that track record, but trust me, you know, given the the rivalry down there in a football and a hurling and a GA and a sport context that that will be tight. I wouldn't necessarily go for Claire. Obviously I'll go for the team or the longer odds. Colin O'Rourke. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're, you're the dog king. Yeah. yeah. Limerick, you know, Limerick did impress during the league um, and perhaps kind of, it, surprisingly, maybe they, they weren't one of the teams being talked about in division three. Um, but as Roy says, Colin Collins is just, he's so well-established um he's a man who's able to like almost in the we were talking about the brian cody style of quietly regenerate a team one or two players a year um not working off the biggest player base it's very impressive what he's doing so certainly won't want to lose to their nearest and dearest neighbors who have the whip hand on them and hurling at the moment in a big way as well yeah i'd say if you were having a manager of the last 10 years colin collins would probably have to come into consideration for it for what he has done with claire and again stable enough uh, type of uh, league show, six points, ended up they weren't really in much danger of relegation from early on. Uh, and Limerick then promoted, so they're both playing in the second division next year. And there's going to be a big hurling clash there in Ennis for him, Clare and Limerick coming up in a couple of weeks as well. So there's a lot of local rivalry at stake. Again, uh, Limerick in the league final against Loud, they seem to be in a very strong position with about 10 minutes gone the second half. And then you, they lost possession close to the low goal, bang down the field and the ball was in the net and it changed the whole course of the game. So uh, Limerick, Limerick are uh, improving. Uh, and I think that because of the improvement that Limerick have shown during the league, that they're in a much stronger position going into this match. So 
I'll be going with you, Rory. Is one I'm not just going to go with the favourites for the weekend. I'll go with Limerick. Oh, look, you're all joining me now on the uh, on the long odds bandwagon. How do you? What are you calling keys? Do you, uh, would you no, agree? I I, 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 I think Claire. I think Claire would be strong enough here. Now, as long as they had they, the the last couple of league games, uh, certainly the last game they didn't have. They were missing Killian Brennan and Manus Doherty. Killian Brennan would be one of their better defenders he's been very good he's Gary Brennan's brother he'd be very good for them and Manus Doherty one of those players you mentioned that Colin Collins brings in um, and he was very effective in the early stages of the league for them too but they have some very good forwards obviously David Tuberty stands out but Owen Cleary Keane O'Dea and they've moved Jamie Malone back to half back and he's a really pacey player he carries the ball very well and when he was playing up front he was he was good for two or three points a game and I presume he'd still make that kind of those contribute those type of runs from a deeper position all around. I think they have a lot of experience of playing at a higher level in the league. And I, I just think that that will count. I mean, they're forewarned and forearmed here because uh, that was a very decent uh, division three campaign by Limerick and right up to the goal in the division three league final. They were, they, they were in that, but I think Claire will be very wary and they will plan accordingly and win. Okay, and I think we're we're finally we're we're all giving the nod to Tip against Waterford. That that would be a that would be a major shock. Um, so unless speak now or forever hold your peace, it will go with a Tip win. Um, thanks for that, gents. I think we we, we I think we've covered everything. I said we'd only give a nod to a few games, but I think we uh we we could publish a treatise on uh, down football, and we were only going to mention it. So I think we've done we've done our job here this morning. Thank you. Well done, everybody. Um, just to mention, obviously, we've got two games on actually Derry v. Uh, Tyrone in the Ulster Football Championship and Galway v Kilkenny in the Leicester Hurling Championship. And, and, and Mikey, if you want to watch Mikey, Cork v Clare, yeah, you can get it on GA Go. Go. Um, but Mikey, I want just one final point, right? There are 13 Sam Maguire Lee McCarthy Cup matches. Now, that doesn't include Nicky Rackert, Joe McDonough, and all of those other games as well. There's 13 games on this weekend. So you look at that from a scheduling point of view and you look at that from a program maker's point of view. So when everyone starts whinging and moaning, <laughs> you, get your, you get your defense I'm in get, before get, the attack. Here, like, yeah. like Willie John McBride said, <laughs> I'm getting my retaliation in first. And everybody starts whinging and moaning on Sunday night. Why we only got 90 seconds or we only got a minute or we only got this. Well, like, you know, look, and you put 13 matches on at the same weekend and you have to squash all that into 110 minutes. Then you do the maths. And there's four matches next weekend, and not one of them is likely to be competitive. You know, there you so go, there you go. go, there you go. I was I'm actually surprised some of the some of those games, uh, some of those Munster and Leinster games weren't actually uh on the first weekend or that the scheduling wasn't, yeah. wasn't yeah. different. I, I I think or they could put them on next weekend, Colin, when there's very little on. Yeah, well, look, that obviously things, but there, there was room to maybe stretch out this part of it. There's been there's been uh why those games last weekend uh, in Leinster weren't on, on, on the first weekend. And also, why weren't the Munster games maybe last weekend, given that they're backing up to semi-finals? Uh, could, you have played Clare, could you have played Clare versus Limerick on Friday night? Tomorrow night? You know, like, look, anyway. Well, Friday night is, uh, Friday night has long been an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it is. But like, let, let's address it, you know. The UPA aren't happy with Friday night games. <laughs> you <laughs> have to get we, that kicked in. Can we, 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 we nearly got through it? <laughs> can we bring them in here? My <laughs> God, Colin Morocco, <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> can we blame the whole scheduling on the GPA? Right no, at the buzzer, he gets the GPA in there. That's impressive, Colin. That's, uh, that's, that's the kind of finishing you were renowned for in your playing day. <laughs>
<laughs> we we won't get the GPA there. We've done more than enough. Um, you can listen to all commentary on RTE's Radio One Saturday and Sunday Sport, and we'll have live blogs and uh, reports, reaction, everything on the RTE Sport website and the RTE News app. We certainly should go now because uh, we started before breakfast, and I think it's lunchtime. So thank you to Colm. Thank you to Colm. Thank you to Derek. And thank you to Rory. And we'll be back with you on Monday to have a look back on this surplus, this massive amount of games. So see you later. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road. And that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurling, I love players that never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Oh! 